You're listening to WJMSRadio.com, where radio is reimagined. The Fired Up Show starts right now. And good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to Fired Up, right here on WJMS Radio, and now simulcasting on Double Mint Radio, coming out of the UK. So we send a welcome out to our good friends over in the UK and in the U- European Union and all around the world. Welcome on board. So it's been a crazy week this past week. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Democratic Convention and the upcoming Republican convention, which will start in a couple of hours after this show airs. Um, But as always, let's start off doing the numbers as we do. So our uh, COVID count for the U.S. uh, as of Sunday night was 5.7 million cases and uh, 177,000 plus uh, deaths that have occurred since the outbreak of the pandemic. And over in the UK, you guys are at 326,000 cases and 41,400 deaths. So I, I read the numbers each week, not to be morbid or draconian about it, but really because it is something that we need to keep track of because this virus, whether you are in the US, where it continues to, to grow and expand and new hotspots uh, arise, um, it's also you know, happening in in England and in the EU, where the controls seem to be much more effective, and most of the countries over there are actually moving into uh, more open phases of uh, reopening their economies and activities and so forth, uh, primarily because, you know, as a credit to you guys over there, you guys took to heart the... the uh, things that needed to be done in order to contain the virus and to slow the spread as much as possible. And you've done that. And the results are is that most of the European countries uh, show very low infection rates and very low death rates. Uh, meanwhile, over here in the land of the free and the home of the brave, you know, we've, we've got uh, people chomping at the bit to be outside. We had uh, just this past week, uh, Friday, uh, concluded uh, something called the uh, Sturgis uh, Bike Week, which, if you're not familiar with it, every year in Sturgis, South Dakota, motorcyclists from all over the country gather in this one town, a uh, population about 7,500 or so. And I, I mentioned it last week in the show, and I need to correct something. I grossly under counted the number of people who were attending. Uh, the final figures came in and where I was saying that it was, you know, 80,000 or 85 or 90,000, the actual total for the number of people who attended the Sturgis Bike Week was 250,000 people. And if you, you know, watch the news or watch the posted videos on it and social media, you'll see that, you know, there was almost no social distancing. Uh, almost no mask wearing, and, you know, just a lot of people congregated in areas, uh, even amidst this pandemic. Well, early reports are starting to show up that there are, you know, COVID cases arising from the Sturgis Bike Week, 
And since, you know, the attendees come from all over the country, uh, it is likely that we will see many spikes uh, pop up in various areas, depending upon how many people out of that location sent motorcyclists to Sturgis. So we'll, we'll keep a kind of eye on that. Uh, but, you know, it goes back to part of the problem we have in this country here uh, and why we seem to be struggling so mightily uh, with this disease is that on top of, you know, the, the readiness and preparedness that, you know, took a long time to get ramped up to speed, uh, a lot of people still uh, just either don't believe that the virus is real or they, you know, don't appreciate you know, government uh, telling them that, you know, they need to wear a mask and they need to social distance. So, you know, they gather in places, you know, they gather at beaches, they gather it at pools, they gather in parties, they're at the bars, they're at the clubs. And what happens is areas that had shown progress and were uh, moving toward reopening their states have actually had to back away from that and in a couple of states they've actually reversed it and gone back on lockdown so you know whether or not you you believe that you know the virus is real uh, there is an illness out there it is being transmitted and the, the way we prevent that is through wearing masks while in public you know socially distance of, of six feet or more uh, no hanging out in large groups and, you know, hygiene and cleanliness, particularly washing your hands, uh, going around. This is just what, you know, we have to do. This is the way uh, we are going to combat this disease until, you know, we get a reliable, safe, and tested vaccine uh, that is available widely to the general public. And in related subjects. Uh, I also mentioned uh, in a show a couple of weeks ago that I had to travel to Massachusetts, which had a requirement as of the 1st of August that in order if, for you to come into the state, you had to uh, complete a COVID test and have the results uh, within 72 hours of your arrival. Well, you know, there is no rapid testing here where I live in Pennsylvania. Uh, so I did the best I could. I got a COVID test had the information that it was taken. I was only in the state for 24 hours and I left. And fortunately, thank God, uh, my test came back a few days later as negative. So, you know, it, it's all part of just kind of the new normal that we have to deal with. Uh, you know, it may get to a point where, you know, more and more we will have to test uh, prior to going into specific situations. Now, there is a saliva-based test uh, that is out there, and you know we are putting pressure on the government to ramp up production and ramp up distribution to get that in place, because it allows for at least a preliminary COVID test to be administered and results seen within you know anywhere from a half hour to an hour and a half, uh, which would go a long ways toward opening the states and also reopening schools and getting our kids back, you know, into school, which is, you know, where they both need to be and they want to be. So, you know, uh, again, you know, a call to action there. Let's, let's make sure we keep communicating with our elected officials and make sure that they are 
keeping the pressure on to get those uh, rapid testing uh, equipment out to you know every corner of the country so that you know we can we can be sure that you know we are infection free before we go into situations where we could spread the disease to others so you know that that was part of what transpired last week obviously the the 8000 pound gorilla in the room for the week was a democratic national convention and we're going to talk about that in a minute uh, but we also had uh, some interesting developments in the struggle around what's been going on with the post office system as we begin to ramp up for you know early voting and vote by mail here in the U.S. And uh, this week, the Postmaster General, Louis DeJoy, uh, announced that he was suspending his operations that were impacting the speed at which mail was being delivered. Uh, he is suspending those those operations until at least after the November election. Hmm, politics a little bit maybe, could be. So, you know, in in the interim, you know, the the availability of mail-in ballots continues to be a, an area of concern. So, I wanted to kind of go down through the states here in the U.S. and kind of give you. Uh, an overview, and I will post the full list uh, on my Facebook page, uh, facebook.com uh, forward slash fired up radio. Uh, that will go up uh, as of, you know, uh, first thing Monday, so it'll be available as you review the show and after, so that you can see where your state uh, stands on um, getting mail in ballots and early voting. So let's at least go through the ones, through the states where there is no uh, present uh, plan in place for either uh, early voting uh, going on. And they are Alabama, Connecticut, Delaware, Mississippi, Missouri, New Hampshire, uh, Rhode Island, South Carolina. Uh, those states do not have an early voting uh, plan in place. Uh, the the advice is to check with your local election office to see if the local communities, counties, you know, cities uh, have you know their own plans in place. Um, but for the most part, you know, as I look down the list, uh, many of them have already begun you know early voting. Um, Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, Idaho, Illinois. Uh, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, uh, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maine, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, uh, Minnesota, Nebraska, New Mexico, New York, North Carolina, North Dakota, Ohio, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, Virginia, West Virginia, Wisconsin, and Wyoming. Uh, all of those states already have early voting uh, starting in their state. So you can reach out to your, your local election board and find out what the options are for early voting. Uh, obviously, you can, you can do it in person and you just need to find the locations. Uh, but you can also inquire as if part of that early voting includes vote by mail. Because even though, as I said, you know, the Postmaster General has reported that the actions uh, that we're delaying mail deliveries are going to be suspended until after the election. 
that still doesn't discount that there may be some localized uh, problems, some localized delays that happen and, you know, could impact whether or not your ballots get there. You know, you get your ballot from your election board in time and then conversely, if you mail it in, if it gets there in time. So call to action on that one, you know, clearly we need to make sure that, you know, you should be, you should already have or be requesting your uh, mail-in ballot, if that is how you were going to vote in the presidential election this year, uh, you should make that request like now uh, and get your ballot. And as soon as you receive it, fill it out, make sure and double check it, make sure that you fill it out correctly, that your signatures match in the places they need to be, that all the I's are uh, dotted and the T's are crossed, and then get it back to the election board either through the mail or uh, many states are setting up drop boxes in various locations where you can just go and drop it in there and it goes directly to the election officials uh, bypassing the post office entirely. Do your diligence. Get out there and make sure that you are uh, prepared to vote. You know, as I said, you can go to uh, vote.org has a, a website with links to all 50 states and most local communities to tell you when your voting deadlines are, where you should vote. You can check your registration status. You can do all of that from those websites. Um, the other one is uh, that I recommend often is ballotpedia.org. And again, I will post those links on my Facebook page. If you go to my Facebook page, they're already up there, but I will repost them. So that is where we stand. Those are the, the big stories of last week. Uh, obviously, there's a lot more going on. Uh, there's a lot of political talk. We've got some tropical storms slash hurricanes barreling up through the Gulf of Mexico, heading toward uh, the southern states. Um, you know, there are wild, wildfires raging in California. We just got a lot going on. You know, the U.S. is just bumping with things, things going on right now. Um, but as I said earlier, uh, I spent the past week uh, watching the Democratic National Convention. Um, I probably watched about 95% of it. Um, I, I pretty much watched it every night, and with the exception of the occasional break to go get coffee, etc. Um, I, I kind of stayed glued to it. And I will do the same starting, starting tonight with the Republican convention um, because, you know, as I often say, you need to understand both sides of the equation. You need to understand what, you know, side A thinks is the truth and is the plan and what side B thinks is the truth and in the plan because the real truth and the real plan lies somewhere in the middle. Um, so, as I said, I watched the, the overwhelming majority of the Democratic convention uh, obviously, with you know the pandemic going on, it wasn't held in a large hall with with screaming people with crazy hats on. Um, it was a virtual convention, and overall, the Democrats did uh, a pretty good job of of conveying their message virtually using you know both live video feed and pre-recorded video feed. Um, you know, all around. Some of the highlights of the week, obviously, uh, early in the week, um, 
you know, there was a, a speech given by uh, former presidential candidate uh, Bernie Sanders, uh, Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont, uh, where he made a very, very strong pitch and did a very good job in his speech, in my opinion, uh, calling for the party to, you know, unify around its nominee and, you know, and, and calling on his supporters in particular to not stay home uh, like they did in 2016 because, you know, the, the, the goal from the Democratic perspective is so much higher than, than just electing the candidate. You know, they, the Democrats are on a, you know, get the incumbent out of the office uh, campaign. And the way we, we get that done is for as many people to vote. Um, a lot of the talking points that went on during the week talked about how the need is there for the Democrats to rally and, and present an overwhelming number of votes cast to, to really eliminate any chance that you know, the, the incumbent party can, can cry foul, you know, cry fix, you know, rigged, whatever. Um, if they're advocating that if they are going to beat Donald Trump, they need to beat him by an overwhelming, unmistakable, undeniable margin of victory. Um, so, you know, and, and that, that's a valid strategy, um, you know, and as we'll see what the Republicans have to offer as we watch their convention in the coming week. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure they're going to be on the attack against the Democrats as well. Um, some other key points, uh, obviously, on Monday night, Michelle Obama uh, gave a speech, a uh, very powerful speech. Uh, obviously, if you follow the news or if you follow social media, it's been all over the media uh, for pretty much all week. Um, in addition, uh, there were several Republicans that that spoke as well in support of Joe Biden. Um, you know, there was a lot of video played uh, to illustrate the impacts that the incumbent party has had on this country. Um, they, they, you know, spoke with several members of Congress, including Representative Clyburn. Um, but clearly, uh, on the Monday night, the high point was the speech by Michelle Obama. Uh, on the second night, um, Stacey Abrams, gave opening remarks. Uh, they, they heard from former President uh, Jimmy Carter and, and his wife Lillian Carter. Uh, President Bill Clinton spoke as well, all calling for the unification of the Democratic Party around uh, the nominee uh, and, you know, the, the vice presidential nominee, Kamala Harris. Uh, then they did the roll call of states, and there method, usually in a, an in-person convention. The delegate leader stands up by their state sign, you know, reads off a short statement, and then announces the results of, their, of the vote and the delegate counts. This time, because it was virtual, they literally went to all 50 states and all seven territories, and representatives gave their presentation and announced their, uh, their delegate counts for the, the candidates, and the two candidates in contention and voting were um, Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders. 
and it actually was a very interesting way of doing it. It was done in the local areas and in many places on historic landmarks or sacred ground and so forth. So it was really very poignant and I thought handled very well. Um, General Colin Powell also spoke uh, at, at the, the convention in support of Joe Biden. Um, and by the way, the uh, delegates were overwhelmingly in favor uh, for uh, Vice President Joe Biden, who is now the uh, official presidential nominee. Um, Dr. Jill Biden, uh, Joe Biden's wife, uh, spoke and, and talked about, you know, Joe's you know, struggles, his life, about her husband, and, you know, all of the things that, you know, she believed people needed to know. Uh, and, you know, there was a musical segment to close out the show from John Legend, which always works for me. I'm a big John Legend fan. Uh, and uh, that was the end of day two. On day three, uh, it opened with an extended segment on gun violence uh, featuring uh, young people and their parents and victims. Uh, you know, and people were giving their stories, notably uh, former Representative Gabby Giffords, who was uh, shot in the head. Uh, at a political gathering in her home district, and she survived. Uh, she spoke uh, very eloquently about you know the need for you know common sense gun control. Um, there was an, also an extended segment on climate activism, and you know many speakers talking about uh, you know what we need to be doing in terms of climate change. Uh, and that concluded with a song from um, musical artist Billie Eilish, which was very good as well. The key speakers that night, Elizabeth Warren, uh, she gave a very strong economic message. Uh, former President Barack Obama uh, gave his speech and really targeted and went after you know, uh, President Trump uh, for the things that you know, have, have happened under his watch. Now, it's unusual because as a sort of unspoken rule, the prior presidents do not critique or criticize the current occupant of the Oval Office just as a, I guess, a matter of professional courtesy. But, you know, extraordinary times called for uh, some move away from that protocol by former President Obama. And he really painted out the picture that, you know, there are serious issues that need to be addressed and that everyone needs to get out and vote and encourage their friends and family and everyone they know to get out to vote. And then uh, the evening concluded with Kamala Harris giving her acceptance speech, uh, which was extremely powerful uh, and a, a really solid message. Uh, and then on day four, the last day of the convention, it really focused on the Demo Democratic platform for the upcoming campaign and for the administration coming out. Uh, Joe Biden gave a very rousing speech and articulated uh, many of his uh, key platform issues and many of the things that he is going to be looking to accomplish, you know, both in the first 100 days, which is kind of that, that typical uh, honeymoon period that you know newly elected presidents get, but also going forward into the administration with things that he sees that need to get done. Uh, he is going to start off, as he said on day one, 
addressing the issues surrounding the coronavirus and the, the lack of PPE, the lack of equipment, the lack of testing, uh, all of these things that you know, he laid at the feet of the incumbent administration uh, that he was going to address you know, from his first day in office should he you know, be successful in the election. So, you know, and in, in, in all in all, for something that's never been done before, uh, the Dem- Democrats pulled off a pretty admirable job of it. Uh, it wasn't without, you know, a few minor technical glitches. Um, there weren't many gaffes. I went through factcheck.org, and there really weren't any glaring lies that they recorded. Few things were, you know, kind of half true, you know, in, subject to interpretation. But overall, you know, there, there were no outright um, untrue statements made or, or allegations made uh, from the Democrats toward anybody else. They clearly, you know, stayed on message and carried through with a pretty solid uh, overall performance. So now we will turn to the Republicans and we will see, you know, what they do. Um, preliminary news coming out uh, has been back and forth on how much conversation will be held around the coronavirus, although it is expected that a lot of the Republican presentation is going to focus on the economy, uh, is going to focus on you know, the, the jobs and unemployment situation, and what is, has transpired over the first you know, eight months of the year uh, as the U.S. has responded to the COVID pandemic. Um, you know, there is also some talk about uh, using the White House as a background for several events and several speeches that are given, which has created kind of a flurry of, of inquiry uh, among government officials uh, because of something called the Hatch Act. And what this is is basically um, it, the Hatch Act prohibits federal employees from engaging in political endeavors on federal property or using federal resources. So the, the Trump administration is trying to walk the fine line of using the areas of the White House that are not, quote, federal, you know, uh, resources, you know, like there, w- there will be no speeches given from the Oval Office. However, there may be a speech given from the Rose Garden, which is considered part of the residence and so forth. So, you know, that has been get- getting some scrutiny over the course of this week as the plans leaked out about, um, you know, that happening. So, as I said, remains to be seen uh, what's going to transpire. I'm going to watch the Republican convention, and we will talk about that in uh, next week's show. Uh, Let's take our break right here. You're listening to Fired Up. My name is Steve. Welcome to our friends from the UK via Double Mint Radio. We'll be right back after this message. my vote ID card because they said you had to have it in order to be able to vote. When I got there, I approached the gentleman at the counter and told him what I wanted. I showed him my veteran's card. 
He said, that was no good. He said, you had to have a state-issued ID card in order to be able to vote. Seniors, women, people of color, young adults, those with low incomes, people with disabilities. Every citizen needs to review your documentation now to make sure you can vote in November. Please check with your local county election board to make sure the name on your photo ID closely matches the name you used when you registered to vote. Please contact us at 866-OUR-VOTE or 866-687-8683. And we're back. Welcome back to Fire It Up. This is Steve. I host the show each week right here on WJMS Radio and now on our partner in the UK, Double Mint Radio, coming out of Edinburgh, Scotland. And we welcome all of our guests from across the pond. So I uh, wanted to uh, just kind of touch back a little bit on uh, something I started talking about in the first segment. Um, the Republican convention uh, did a little quick research and there is a schedule that was posted as of uh, August 22nd uh, and it may have it may have changed it was updated last uh, midday on Sunday so the events will kick off on Monday uh, it's gonna have uh, about 336 people uh, that will be present in uh, Charlotte and that will primarily be to handle the nomination and for re-election for President Donald Trump and Vice President Mike Pence. Uh, and so the main theme of the RNC convention is honoring the great American story. Uh, each night will feature remarks from political leaders as well as everyday Americans whose stories are filled with hope and patriotism, uh, and that's according to the Trump campaign. Uh, Monday's theme is a land of promise, uh, and that is where the 336 delegates who will convene in Charlotte will conduct the roll call vote and formally renominate Trump and Vice President Pence for the Republican Party's presidential ticket. Uh, the listed speakers, uh, again, according to this preliminary schedule, uh, and this, this is subject to change perhaps, uh, South Carolina Senator Tim Scott, Louisiana Representative Steve Scalise, former ambassador to the UN Nikki Haley, and the president's son Donald Trump Jr. Uh, will speak uh, on Monday night, along with uh, Mark and Patricia McCloskey. And if you don't, if the name you know doesn't strike a bell with you, uh, this was the couple who uh, came outside with, you know, automatic rifle and handgun as a Black Lives Matter protest uh, passed in front of their house on their way to the house of the governor. Uh, and that made, you know, pretty viral news all over the place. Um, Tuesday, uh, the title is Land of Opportunity. And some of the speakers included uh, will be First Lady Melania Trump. Uh, who will be also speaking from the White House, uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, Kentucky Senator Rand Paul, Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds, and Eric and Tiffany Trump will also speak. Uh, Nick Sandman, former student of Covington Catholic High School in Kentucky, uh, is also expected to speak on Tuesday. Uh, and, you know, the, the, one of the viral events or one of the video events um, will be of, you know, this the young gentleman, Nick Sandman, face-to-face -face with a Native American protester 
and that image went viral uh, as you know he was you know yelling and and really um, you know presented a pretty pretty aggressive picture um, so he will be speaking other speakers uh, Senator Marsha Blackburn Iowa Senator Joni Ernst South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem Texas Rep Dan Crenshaw and Madison Cathorn who is a 25 year old political newcomer who won a Republican primary runoff for a Western North Carolina congressional seat uh, that was vacated by Trump's current uh, chief of staff. On Thursday, the land of greatness is the theme. Uh, Donald Trump will deliver his acceptance speech from the White House. Also set to speak on Thursday, Housing Secretary Ben Carson, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, uh, House Republican Leader Kevin McCarthy, and Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton, as well as Ivanka Trump will also speak. Uh, Republicans will also hear from the parents of humanitarian aid worker Kyla Muller, who was killed by ISIS in 2015, as well as Alice Johnson, a woman who was serving life in prison until Trump commuted her sentence, in part pushed by Kim Kardashian West. Uh, so, you know, in and as as always, the the party that that is out of power goes first, and the party in power. Uh, follows them and, and basically bats clean up uh, after after their presentation and nothing is with that is going to change in this coming year uh, we should also expect to see more information about the Republican platform uh, and you know although the uh, RNC committee said it's not updating its 2016 party platform we'll keep it as it is until 24 uh, 2024 that is it also remains unclear if the RNC plans to publicly update the party's rules so that was the uh, Republican convention agenda uh, that was published on Friday and was updated over the weekend and could still likely see some tweaking that happens uh, you know prior to the the start of the convention which will be at uh, seven o'clock Eastern time with all of the media coverage beginning and you know it it will you know continue typically I guess as the Democrat convention went until about 11 o'clock Eastern um, so you know that that's what's going on in terms of the Republican convention uh, I will be watching it as always as, as part of my news gathering and research so we'll talk about it on Monday show and do our compare and contrast uh, based on my observations so you look forward to that and uh, you know hopefully as I continue to do my my background study and research into the British political system for our friends over in the UK um, you know, we'll start to filter in some some stories around you know politics in in your country as well. Uh, it is a little bit more complicated than here in the U.S. Uh, obviously, we have you know two primary political parties, um, you know Republicans and Democrats. Whereas you know Great Britain, uh, you guys have quite a few more. Um, you know, so there's a lot more. Uh, things to process and digest in order to get a better picture of how political 
systems work and, and the mechanics over there. Um, so, you know, bear with me. Um, I, I know we talk, we're talking exclusively about America right now, but I will begin to phase in uh, politics in the UK and even uh, perhaps exploring into some of the EU politics as well that, that may be applicable to what goes on in the UK, you know, Brexit notwithstanding. So, you know, it, it is, it's coming. I'm, I'm really psyched about learning more about, you know, UK politics. Um, but as I said, it, it is a much more diverse uh, layout. It is a, a potentially, you know, at least from what I can see, uh, you know, contentious uh, organization. I will say I do watch uh, with great interest uh, when my schedule allows is I do watch your prime minister's questions uh, in, or prime minister's answers rather in parliament, which I, I find totally fascinating from a political standpoint and, you know, from, as I say in this show, in dealing with the mechanics of politics. Uh, I often will think that, you know, it would be really interesting if, you know, our president came before a, you know, the, the House of Representatives over here or a joint session and just answered questions. Um, I, I think <laughs> that would be a show worth watching. So, but in any event, as I said, as I learn more and more about how your political system over there works, so as I said, as I, as I learn more and more about the, uh, the British uh, parliamentary procedure and, and political structures, um, I will be incorporating you know, news and, and discussion on the political machine coming out of the UK as well. As I said, it, it, it's a, a fascinating amount of study. Um, you know, I, I will admit to not having as deep an understanding of you know, UK politics as I do about US politics, obviously. But hopefully, as I continue to do my research, uh, we'll get better at that. So I appreciate your patience, and hopefully, you know, I'm, I'm bringing you some information you may not have known or may not have heard about, or at least some depth uh, to help you understand the craziness that we call politics here on this side of the Atlantic. So let me add one, one final note to, to our good friends, you know, tuning in through Double Mint Radio. Um, if there's an interesting political story or, you know, a, a question uh, that you'd like me to look into, please uh, send it to me. Uh, you can email it to the show at firedupradio at yahoo.com. Uh, I hope that if you will go to the Facebook page, I will post information there about what I talk about in the shows. And I also, you know, encourage and invite you to um, subscribe to my to the show's Facebook page and to to like the the page um, I also tweet out uh, the Twitter handle is at ARE the letter U fired up uh, via Twitter and you know you can go on Twitter and and search for me or search for the show and and again uh, subscribe and like uh, to the Twitter feed uh, it, it's a way that we can keep in communication. It's a way that you can ask me questions and I can, uh, we can have a dialogue and I can get you answers and, and do all of that stuff. Um, just as an update, we are looking at uh, making some additional changes 
Uh, I spent this past weekend tearing down my office and studio and managed to get the, the broadcast corner back up and working in time to record the show. Uh, but uh, pretty soon uh, we're going to be starting to engage in some, some video uh, feed as well. Um, so, you know, as we, as we begin to build that out and as I, I work on that structure, um, I, I will keep you posted, but I'm excited about the prospect of, you know, being able, one, to invite guests and also to, in, in to broaden the conversation by including some live, you know, back and forth, at least as far as recording for the podcast goes and have the opportunity to share, you know, opinions in a little bit closer to real time. So, Stay tuned, as I said, uh, follow the Facebook page, um, you know, like and subscribe to the Twitter feed, and announcements will be coming out as to when our Instagram page will, will launch out, and uh, there'll be you know, another way for us to have a broader dialogue. Uh, I, I think it's important that we, you know, we share that, that information, we have that give and take, uh, that's the way I learn, and hopefully that's the way you, know, you will learn as well. So I'm excited about that, and I hope you are too. Um, Want to recap and go through some of the calls to action that we've been talking about over the past weeks. Uh, so you know, obviously, you know, in this show, uh, we've we've talked about you know the the early voting and making sure that we're on top of getting our ballots requested and returned as quickly as possible. Uh, obviously, uh, the census is still ongoing here in, in our country and has moved now into the live phase where if you have not gone online to 2020census.gov and completed the electronic version of the census, uh, you will perhaps get a visit from a physical census taker who will, you know, knock on your door, or ring your doorbell, and, you know, from a, a social distance, will go through the census with you and ask the questions. It's a process that takes, you know, about 10 minutes, maybe 15 at the most. And again, as we've said time and time again here on this show and, and in other venues, uh, it is nothing that is personally identifiable. Um, it is really just a count of the physical bodies that live here in the United States, whether they are, are citizens, uh, resident aliens, or even, you know, undocumented. And for those in that latter category, uh, the information is not shared with ICE. It is not shared with law enforcement. It is solely for the purpose of counting how many people live in a given community. Then that goes to uh, apportioning federal dollars into those communities for very you know, necessary and much needed resources, including hospitals, ambulances, fire trucks, you know, first responder you know, gear and all of that. So please uh, don't ignore uh, the census. Uh, go to the website and if the census worker comes to your door, please take those few minutes to, to answer their questions and get your census data recorded properly. Uh, in the end, it, it helps all of us by determining where uh, resources are to be allocated. So uh, another call to action that we re refine each week. Uh, obviously, we've talked about early voting, but you know, as part of that, we need to make sure that we are in fact 
registered and that our registration is complete, accurate, and up-to-date. So if your residence has changed or, for example, uh, you know, college students, in, in some areas college students can register locally, uh, in others they still have to, to register through their parents' address and, um, you know, vote in the district that they lived in. But, you know, you need to make sure that, you know, if you are attending college, that you're aware of what, if any, changes that may mean for your voter registration status. Uh, another call to action that we have is, you know, reaching out to our elected officials. And can't talk about this enough. You know, obviously, as we've talked about over the weeks, with the response by our government to the coronavirus pandemic, uh, clearly, there is, you know, a, a full-blown accountability that our government has. And this, this crosses both sides of the aisle. This isn't a Democratic blame or a Republican blame. Both sides really have not done their full, diligent job in getting the resources out that we need. You know, testing is still, you know, spotty at best. Uh, there are, as I said earlier, there, there is a saliva-based test that is out there, has been developed. It actually was developed for the military and is now uh, needing to be pushed out into wider use. So, you know, our, our Congress, our Senate, and our president need to activate the defense authorization program in order to get those tests developed and get them distributed out as quickly as possible. Uh, that would go a long way to helping to get our communities back open and people back to work if we had a rapid response test that could show us at least a preliminary positive or negative diagnosis for COVID-19 uh, within you know, half an hour, 45 minutes, or an hour. Uh, that would be huge in terms of allowing us to get back to a more normal approach to daily life. Also, uh, you know, we need to make sure that you know, as we look at getting our kids back in school, you know, the same thing goes. You know, that testing would help ensure that our, our children are entering into a safe environment, uh, safe from the spread, as well as our teachers and administrators. Uh, you know, and, you know, it, it is just something that we need to make sure that we are engaged with our political leadership, both locally, uh, at the state level, and at the federal level, to make sure that they are you know, paying attention to our wants and wishes uh, since it is us that send them to their office through the process of election. Um, and, you know, and finally, uh, from the call to action standpoint, uh, you know, it, is, it is clear that you know, access to our elected officials is critical. Uh, I, can, I can speak to it from a you know, personal example in that there was some kind of unknown delay, you know, with, with my unemployment, and I could not get answers out of the, the state office. There was no person to contact. All I got was voicemail or, you know, nobody there for chat and all of that. And in, in frankly, in desperation, I reached out to my state representative and got his office engaged. And that broke the log jam in like 10 days. So from, you know, three and a half months of waiting with no answers to, you know, 10 days when, you know, all of a sudden now things, you know, were working, um, it goes to show that there is a value 
there is a power that we exercise when we reach out to our elected officials, whether it's our city, county, state, or federal, and we engage with them. And I've encouraged this through the life of this show. I'm saying we need to be uh, communicating with our representatives on a regular basis, not just when there's a crisis or a problem, but we need to be reaching out and giving them our opinions on the issues of the day, whether it is COVID, whether it is voting, whether it's what's going on with the post office, you know, anything that, you know, engages with us, we need to make sure that our elected officials are representing us properly uh, in their post. And, you know, if not, and, and again, this is not, you know, Democrat pointing fingers at Republicans or Republicans pointing fingers at Democrats. Republicans and Democrats, you need to take a hard look at your elected officials. If they are not performing, then you need to exercise your vote and make a change. You know, you need to let them know that they are not doing what we sent them to do and that we're not satisfied and, you know, that we will be voting for someone else in November. Uh, It's amazing how responsive elected officials get around election time. So, you know, yes, while now is a good time to reach out to your to your officials because they are in a heightened sense of responsiveness uh, because of the vote that's coming up, uh, it is not something that should stop once November 3rd comes and goes. You know, a- anytime you have an issue that you need to get addressed with your elected official, you need to make sure that you are reaching out, that you're communicating with them. They all have email addresses. If you go to www.senate.gov, and www.house.gov, go to their web pages. You can find the contact information, including mailing address, office phone, both local office as well as their office in Washington, D.C., their email address, and you know other information about what their positions are on the issues. And you can use that information, communicate with them, put them into your, uh, <laughs> into your, your, your contact list, uh, so that you one click and get their email you know, opened up right away and uh, make sure that you're having that conversation. That is what our type of government is. It is a representative government. And if they are not representing us, then we need to, as I say often, show them the door. So you know that, that's our, our recap of our calls to action. Um, as I said, if, if there is something that you want me to look into, if there's an issue that you haven't heard talked about here on Fired Up, but you want to find out you know, what's going on, please send an email to firedupradio at yahoo.com and send me the information that you, you want to discuss. I read every email I get, and I'd love to be reading a whole lot more. So, you know, absolutely reach out and get in touch. Uh, let's start a dialogue. Let's, let's find solutions to the problems that face us. And uh, hopefully, you know, we can work together and, and I can help you find out answers or find information or resources that uh, you may need in order to resolve your issue. So, you know, as I said, our email address is firedupradio at yahoo.com.
our Facebook page. You can go into Facebook and search for Fired Up Radio. Uh, our, fa- our direct handle is facebook.com uh, forward slash Fired Up Radio. And our uh, Twitter is at, that's the at symbol, A-R-E, the letter U, F-I-R-E-D-U-P. That's our Twitter, Twitter handle, you know, at Are You Fired Up? So, you know, with that being said, uh, as always, thank you so much for listening each week. I really appreciate it. We'll come back next week and talk about the Republican convention and other news of the day. So, and, and for our friends, you know, over in the UK, uh, we will begin to, to merge in uh, news and events that happened over there as I continue to do my homework and my research and learn about your fascinating political system. Uh, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll take it and see where it leads us. So, again, thank you all for listening. I truly appreciate it. Have a wonderful week. Stay safe. You know, protect yourself and protect your loved ones. This is Steve. You're listening to Fired Up Radio right here on WJMSRadio.com. And now on Double Mint Radio coming out of the U.K., Take care, and I will talk to you again in seven days. Wherever you stand, I'm calling every woman, calling every man. We're the generation we can't afford to wait. The future started yesterday, and we're already late.